how to live within your means with self-control, which would alleviate an awful lot of anxiety in our day and age, where we find ourselves compulsively buying things we don't need, creating anxiety in our lives because we always need the next thing and it never satisfies. And then we find ourselves straddled with debt, working jobs that we don't like just simply to service a debt that we shouldn't have had in the first place. It's a common story, but the Bible talks about how we ought to live. How much of what you just heard resonates with your own life? Are you causing yourself anxiety and stress through your spending habits and an insatiable desire for more? This is just one example of the ways we sabotage our own lives by living for ourselves instead of the wisdom of God. In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to lead the way toward the abundant life, one that is free of anxiety because you're walking in God's wisdom. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Proverbs chapter 4 as he continues his message, All of Me. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So you notice as I read that whole thing, how really the writer of this section of Proverbs is taking all these different body parts and he's trying to focus us to be inclined to wisdom. And that's what really I think God wants for all of us. And so it begins here in a really simple way. Notice it says, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So I like to say it this way. The word totally blesses. The word of God totally blesses somebody, right? And so this is why I think that the Bible is so important because you might say, well, the Bible is just like any other book. It is because it's a book, but it isn't because it's inspiration comes from God. And the God who created and sustains everything inspired the word of God so that once we grab hold of the wisdom that is within the word of God, that will totally bless and transform our lives. I mean, if you notice the outcome of somebody who is involved with the word, it says in verse 22, for they are life to those who find them. So the words of wisdom that are found within the Bible are actually life to those who find them and health to their flesh. So the idea of life in the Bible, it speaks of not just this life, but everlasting life and health to your flesh literally speaks about holistic wholeness and health. And the beauty is, is that if you actually embrace what's in the Bible, you will find this stuff to be true. 
First, of course, because the Bible is primarily about Jesus, who is the creator of life, and he's the giver of life, and Jesus desires to share his life with each one of us. And you cannot learn about Jesus apart from the scriptures, because the scriptures are the book that tell us who Jesus is. And when you walk with Jesus, your life gets changed. But not only does the word bless us because it tells us about who Jesus is and ultimately his finished work for us by living a life that was perfect and by dying a death on the cross and by being resurrected from the dead, conquering both sin and death, and then ascending to heaven to pour out the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is also chock full of all sorts of other types of wisdom as well. Like there's how you should relate to one another, like love one another. Sounds pretty wise, doesn't it? How you should deal with your enemies. You should love your enemies. You should bless those people too, right? So is that, how do we deal with interpersonal conflict? How do you deal with your own body? If you ever read the law of Moses, people get kind of freaked out about it, but you realize that it's actually the first health code that was ever given. Like literally, it was like, wash your hands after you touch a dead body. Can I get an Amen. It's pretty smart, right? You know, people freak out about the Bible, but you don't, people don't actually think about it. It's like, listen, if you find a dead carcass, don't eat it. It's pretty smart, right? Now, you might be saying, well, that's kind of weird. I don't see that. Car- well, this was long before Costco existed. And freezers, you know, it's like, so what happens is meat was very uncommon. How many of you guys like your meat? And give a round of applause for all the vegetarians. Thank you extra bacon for me. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. See, the idea is that you could be tempted in a society where these were luxuries and not prevalent. You find me like, oh man, maybe that thing hasn't been dead so long. If I cook it nice and well done, maybe I can just eat it. Right? But you all know that that's a straight nasty, right? But you can imagine in that culture, these things are, there's wisdom there. How you deal with your finances. You give God your first fruits. Why? Because everything you have comes from God. And by giving God your first fruits, you're saying, God, you've provided for me, so I'm going to give back to you, and I'm going to trust your provision. You don't even realize how wise that is. Because when you give God the first fruits of what you have, then you start to say, well, Lord, now I have, you know, in your mind, you can say, I have 10% less than what I thought I had. So how do I want to do that? And the Lord teaches you how to live within your means with self-control which would alleviate an awful lot of anxiety in our day and age, where we find ourselves compulsively buying things we don't need, creating anxiety in our lives because we always need the next thing and it never satisfies. And then we find ourselves straddled with debt, working jobs that we don't like just simply to service a debt that we shouldn't have had in the first place. It's a common story. But the Bible talks about how we ought to live, how families are supposed to function, Husbands are supposed to love their wives and give themselves up for their wives as Jesus did for the church. Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands, not because men are better, but because it's really easy to submit to a self-sacrificial love that is given. How many marriages would be better if husbands would lay down their lives for their wives and wives would learn how to respect their husbands, which is what men really desire more than anything else? I could do this all day. There's agricultural wisdom, like work your field for six years on the seventh year, lay it fallow. That's called rotating your fields. That's like really normal. I mean, now in our day and age, we just pump it full of all sorts of fake chemicals to get it more, you know, you have all these different ways that life's supposed to live in all that wisdom's right there in the book. 
a 2,000-year-old book. And that's why the word blesses. It totally blesses our lives. So I just simply want to give each one of you an encouragement to be people of the word of God. Read it every single day. Memorize it. You're like, well, I don't really like reading. Listen to somebody else reading it. Just, you need to get the word of God in you because the word of God transform our lives. See, a major part of godliness within our lives lies in a dogged attentiveness to the most important things. And I say that word dogged because we really need to learn how to get Focus on the main things. See, in this little section, it says, give attention to my word. And then it says, incline your ears to my saying. So the first thing, focus your attention on it. And then open up your ears to really hear what the sayings are. Not only that, don't let it depart from your eyes. Forever keep the word of God before your eyes. And then keep them in the midst of your heart. So you see, all of these things are saying, listen, Don't slack on God's book. But I'm here to tell you, listen, you can read anything and there's no issues. You go to start reading the Bible and then all hell breaks loose. That's how it goes. You can be sitting there in the morning, you know, I'm going to read my Bible. And you go and you're like, "Ah, I'll just see what's going on on Facebook. You'd be there all day. Super silence, quiet, you know. I'm going to go find out what's happening in the political arena because I needed a little WWF wrestling, you know. So what's going on in politics? And, you know, no problem. It's super quiet. You open up your Bible and all hell breaks loose, man. Dog barks. The kids start screaming. You have a coughing fit. All this stuff goes on. Why? Because Satan hates the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is the one place that will tell the story of good and evil, right, and wrong, and the fact that Jesus, hands down, is victorious. The Bible is the only place that you will ever hear that you are more than a conqueror, and not only that you're more than a conqueror, but how that happened through Jesus' death on the cross and the resurrection. And when you start to see your life through the lens of who Jesus is and the work of the Spirit, you begin to realize, you know what? All things do work together for good. I don't know how it's going to work out, and I can't even believe that this is what it is. But if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then God can take this situation that I'm in, and he can bring something beautiful out of it. And that kind of faith is something Satan doesn't want to have to deal with. He'd much rather you look at pictures on Instagram. He'd much rather you get yourself all worked up over something going on in American politics. He'd much rather you be an aggravated that the Yankees aren't in the World Series. But when we behold the word of God with the totality of who we are, we're totally blessed. It gives life and health. Sounds good, huh? Yeah, let's be people of the book. Now moving on from there in verse 23, Proverbs 4.23 might be one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's one of the first ones I memorize. I think about it all the time. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. I'll put it this way. Guard your heart. When it says keep your heart, it literally means to guard it. It means to keep it like a watchman keeps something. You got to guard your heart. Now, I say this all the time. I'm going to say it again. Don't follow your heart. You need to lead your heart. You got to follow Jesus and lead your heart. There's nothing worse than when someone says, I'm going to follow my heart. You know what the problem is? Our hearts are fickle. They're all over the place. 
We all know this. Don't follow your heart. Your heart, what does it say in the movies all the time? The heart wants what the heart wants, right? It's brilliant understanding of the human heart. Your heart wants what it wants for whatever reason. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus and lead your heart as you follow Jesus. That changes everything. But we have to learn how to guard our hearts, to keep our hearts. Now here it says, keep your hearts with all diligence. So don't procrastinate on guarding your heart. Don't be laissez-faire about the affairs of the heart. Because the heart wants what the heart wants. We have to learn how to guard it with all diligence. Why? For out of it springs the issues of life. Now that is a powerful statement if you think about it. What that means is that all the issues of your life are not external, but they're internal. How many of you are like, excuse me? Here's the deal. You can interpret the events of your life however you want. You can choose how you feel about it. This just happened the other day. I love it. My little Annabelle, she's so fun. Lynn was talking to her and said, Annabelle, you know, we need to go outside. It's sunny out. Soon it's going to start raining. And that's not going to be a whole lot of fun. And Annabelle says, that's going to be a lot of fun. I get to jump in the puddles. Oh, the wisdom of a child. The wisdom of a child, right? And you can imagine, you know, you're like, oh, it's going to start raining. We have to be inside. All this. And Mandibles, man, this is like, it's great when it rains. I could jump in all the puddles. Do you see how it's the same external event, but the way we interpret it is different. Two people having the exact same experience. One sees it as God's greatest gift to their life. And another person sees it as the greatest curse to their life. What's the difference? The way we interpret these events. Do you see the things that you experience as God's opportunities? Or do you see them as God not liking you? See, that's why the heart is so important. Because if we do not keep our heart with all diligence, you don't realize that situations in your life are going to happen either way. But how you deal with it, how you feel about it, how you interpret it, and how you integrate it into your life, that's all on you. No one does that for you. If you're the kind of person who's here today, very common in this day and age, that you're always the victim, guess what? That's a position you've chosen. You've chosen it. Now, I'm not saying that all the things that went on weren't real, but one person sees it as a great stepping stone to what God is doing in their life. You can't change what happened. I can't change it. But I'm not going to roll over and play the victim and say, everyone's always against me. I'm going to say, Lord, how can I grow from this? Lord, I can control what happened, but what do you want me to do now? And that's why the keeping of your heart is so important. Because all the issues of your life are actually generated by your heart. You realize that every feeling of stress you have, that's self-generated. Nobody makes that for you. You make it for yourself. And this is why, my friends, I realize I'm saying this and I'm like, man, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. Because the victim mentality is so ingrained in so many of us and in our culture. But you know what the thing is? My Bible doesn't say you are more than victims because of Jesus. It says you are more than what? Conquerors. You are more than victors. You can't be a victor and a victim at the same time. Either way, life can be hard. Either way, life can give you what you never asked for. But what you do with it has to do with how you guard your heart. How you keep your heart. For many of us, the situations of our lives, what really goes on is that we begin to believe lies about God. Like God doesn't love me. This wouldn't have happened if God loved me. Or God isn't for me. Or God loves everyone else more than me. But the thing is, is if you stay in the word of God, does the word of God let you get away with that? It doesn't. 
The word of God checks that. I go, hold on. I know you feel that way right now, but what does the word say? This is why this series, I think, is going to be powerful for us. Because when God's wisdom drops like a bomb in the midst of our lives, then we have to either say, I'm going to choose my ways or I'm going to choose God's ways. And my friends, every issue of your life is actually generated by the way that you feel about it and how you choose to deal. Now, I'm not trying to minimize heartbreak and hardship. God knows life can be a mess. But if you keep your heart with all, if you let the word of God function as doorkeepers in your life, you'll be amazed at the things you begin to realize about situations. You'll be amazed at how God can leverage a broken situation and bring the most amazing things out of it. And I know right now some of you are like, well, that's great, but I don't believe you at all. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to believe in Jesus. I guarantee if you keep the word ever before you and you choose to guard your heart with what the word of God says, I guarantee you, not that your life will be easier, but your life will be more filled with joy because God's presence will be all over that life no matter what it looks like. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy if you followed him. She said, in the, you're going to have tribulation either way. You're going to, life's hard, but you can be a good sheriff, overcome this world. And that's the hope of the gospel, my friends. How are you doing guarding your heart? Have you stopped guarding it? Have you started to let that heart get away? Are you letting other ideas other than biblical ideas be the doorkeepers of your heart? If that is you, how's that going for you? I've done this many times. I've seen it many times in my own life where I'm like, oh man, I'm letting a set of beliefs that aren't biblical guard my heart and it's leaving me broken inside, hurting me. So we have to keep our heart. And you guys know the heart is the control center of your life. Now in verse 24, look what it says. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. I like to say it this way. Wash out your mouth. (laughs) Okay, real honest. How many of you had your mom wash your mouth out with soap? We've all been abused by our parents. (laughs) Sometimes I felt the only time I didn't have my mouth washed out was when my mom was changing soap. Brothers and sisters, here's the deal. Your speech is a window into your heart. What you say comes from your heart or just coming out your mouth. Listen to Luke chapter 6 verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. (laughs) yeah isn't it a horrible like talk about this is why Proverbs is so awesome right your words are a window into your heart it's kind of scary in there isn't it I know it's even more scary not only there's things that how many of you and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because we're all guilty of this how many of the things that pass through your mind that you want to say but you've got just a little bit of self-control I feel so grateful oh some of you guys just, just own that you're like oh yeah I remember when I first got saved, there was no second time delay between what I thought when it came out of my mouth. Part of the downside being from New Jersey. It was like every thought deserved the light of day. And then when I got saved, I'm like, this is really bad. You know what I mean? Because I say something like I can't take it back. So now I'm doing about a three 
second time delay between when I think something when it comes out of my mouth with about a 94% rate of it actually working. So the 6% of the time I say something I probably shouldn't have said, I didn't mean to say it either, but it was in there. You know? And really what it is, is as God is keeping his word before us and we're guarding our hearts, he's also cleansing our speech. We start to realize that our words are creative and there's a lot of things that we might think that we shouldn't say because the reason we're thinking them is because we're not thinking biblically and that's not an edifying or building up way to talk to somebody. And that's why I start saying things like, put away from you a deceitful mouth. That word deceitful could also be translated as a devious mouth or a crooked mouth and put perverse lips, which literally means corrupt or foul talk, far from you. So you see how this works. And you see why I call this all of me, right? It's like, we got the word, we got it before us, and then we keep our heart, and then we got to wash our mouth out. We got to watch our words. Now, I'm always reminded, of course, and I know that in a subsequent message, you can hear more about this. So I don't want to belabor this point. But, you know, for those of you who are chatty people, it's even worse for us. And I'm definitely, you know, I'm feeling your pain. Just imagine if you had a microphone on for five hours every week. You know, so just be careful and wash your mouth out. Clean that business up. See, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to conserve my words. (laughs) Verse 25 says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Brothers and sisters, we need to set our eyes straight. I love this. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. This really speaks of that we need to make sure that our eyes are focused on the proper goals. A wise person has unswerving directness, but a fool is easily distracted. We need to make sure that our eyes are fixed on the right things. Now, of course, I love the writer to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that we should be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated down at the right hand of the Father. The single greatest place for you to fix your eyes is upon who? On Jesus. That's why the apostle Paul said, for I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul had a singular focus, almost like an outrageous obsession with this person, Jesus. And I believe that for us as children of God, that we need to learn how to set our eyes on our Savior. Do you have your eyes fixed and folks looking unto Jesus? Because when you have your eyes on the Savior, you're not going to have any time to be distracted. Aren't you glad that God gave us his word? In today's message, Pastor Daniel showed us that the word of God isn't just another book. The words found in the Bible tell us all about Jesus. Jesus is the creator and giver of life, and through his words in scripture, he shares that life with you. The words in scripture are life and health. When you open the Bible, you find true wisdom for living with the ability to bless and transform your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the one place on earth to find abundant life. You could search the world over and look for abundant life in fitness, health, wealth, status, or many other things. But the only place to find true abundant life is in Jesus Christ. Come back next time to learn what it means to follow Jesus and how to find His wisdom for living by opening the pages of the Bible. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Vice Versa. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.